0: The Last Joyride, Part 4. Monday, 3.40pm. I took the stairs the rest of the way out of the building, softly laughing the whole way. I laughed even harder as I bust through the front doors for the last time and ran out into the parking lot where my chair rested on its side among tiny fragments of tempered glass. I jumped and spun as I ran to the stairway to the third parking level. I could hear a car nearby start. Then, engine revving, it made a high squeal out of a parking space. I saw a movement as I crossed between the rows of cars. It was a navy blue Audi, and it bore down on me fast. I just made it out of the way as the Audi pass, swerving slightly. A flash of black hair and round rimmed glasses caught my eye, but I was not afforded a second glance. It couldn't have been. Nah, no way. The Audi rounded a huge concrete pillar support, tires squealing, and disappeared up the ramp. I continued walking around the corner to my car, and there, parked next to me, was Kermit the Jeep. It had to be the same one. No two people could get talked into that hideous color. The odds were uncanny. I toyed momentarily with the notion of leaving a note, then decided against it in favor of living with that beautifully mysterious driver my dreams, a place where she would not have the chance to scrutinize what a vagabond I was about to become. Soon I was home with the windows open to let the sun in, lying on the floor in the company of my red tomcat Henry. Wasting the rest of the afternoon seemed like the best idea. I was in a mood to write, but not the mind, nor the stomach. It was too empty and alcohol-free. Soon I fell asleep. Monday, 6.40 p.m. I woke up early, hungry as hell, and with a splitting headache. Henry was standing over me and began purring as he saw me open my eyes. He nudged me further to ensure that I would wake up and hopefully dole out some food. So, after feeding the cat, I drove down to Mac's Diner to get something for myself. I ordered the New Mexican omelet. Max never really received a stellar bill of health, but they placed their low scores proudly in front of the cash register on the counter. The food was always hot and tasty, and in spite of the low scores, the place was clean. Just after my food arrived, a girl walked through the door and began speaking to the pleasant, heavyset waiter. I paid them no attention until I was forced to ask for salt. I looked up, and it was she, Phoebe, the girl in the green Jeep. It was her, all right but she really looked nothing at all like Phoebe Cates. Her hair hung in wild, long waves past her shoulders. Her eyes were dark, and naturally consuming, hiding secrets you just knew were deadly. The girl's jaw was strong and seemed permanently clenched. I had the impression she could be the one to just stand up, draw out hidden oozies, and level the whole place without batting a sparkling brown eye. She was pleading with the waiter with whom she was obviously familiar to do something for her. Mystified, I withheld my request and eavesdropped on their conversation. I told you the last time was the last time, he said in a very sarcastic and taxed tone. "'Besides, I can't leave. I'm late-shifting.' "'I can wait till later tonight,' she offered. "'I'm going out with Bo. I just can't,' he said, dramatically, turning away. "'Josh, please,' she pleaded. "'You'll never have to do it again. It'll just take 45 minutes, maybe an hour.' "'I can't, honey. You get me into trouble, and I can't have that. "'I'm not all about all that fighting and sneaking around. "'I got a black eye,' he said flatly, pointing to his left eye, which was in fact swollen. "'He then turned to me with his best customer service smile. "'Can I get something for you?' "'Uh, yes. Salt, please. Oh, Lord. I've got to fill all these up. Where has my mind been?' He got me a full salt shaker from a nearby table, and instead of returning to the girl, he began collecting the empty salt shakers from the counter and filling them. In an ultra-rare moment of bravado, I spoke to her without missing a heartbeat. "'Don't you drive a green Jeep?' I asked as the girl took a seat at the counter opposite me. "'Yeah. Why?' she responded, putting a cigarette in her mouth, then lighting it with a silver Zippo she had tucked in her front pocket. "'Nice wheels.' "'Yeah.' Thanks, she said with a slight grin and nod. I thought it was different too. A little birthday present to myself. Well, good for you. And happy belated birthday. I finished and resumed eating, though nervously watching her out of the corner of my eye. She took a long drag off her cigarette as the waiter took the empty salt shaker in front of her and replaced it with a full one. Someone else came in and sat nearby, and he went to greet them. The girl watched him the whole time. "'You own one?' she finally asked, looking back, catching me staring. "'Uh, nope. Land Cruiser.' "'I pointed to my heap at the corner of the parking lot. An old one.' "'Oh,' she breathed softly, smiling. "'I like it. I love old things. But I love my new one, too. "'Have you ever driven one?' "'No, I haven't. Not yet, anyway. I'm pretty settled with what I have. "'Work has been such a pain lately, I haven't even been able to take it out much.' "'Yeah,' she rolled her eyes. "'I know what you mean.' She made an inadvertent eye contact with the waiter and mouthed the word, please. He shook his head dramatically and mouthed the word, no. She gave him the finger and mouthed the words, fuck you, then came over and sat next to me. She was definitely easy to look at. Her lipstick had all but worn off, but her eyes were still outlined in black and shaded with dark gray. She smelled like a combination of smoke and Victoria's Secrets catalogs. What's going on? I asked, referring to her hand gesture. Oh, nothing. Just trying to get a lift to pick up my Jeep. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I left it in Marietta. I know. I saw it this morning. You were leaving in kind of a hurry, weren't you? I had surprised her. Her eyes widened and she smirked with an unsure glance between the waiter, the door, and myself. Yeah, a little bit. It was cool. It wasn't my car. But you damn near ran me over. Why the hurry? Places to be. Why so many questions? Just trying to get to know you? You're trying too hard. In a few minutes, I had finished my ham omelet and had ordered some hash browns with cheese and tomatoes. We shared. She stayed by my side talking as if we had been old friends. She never said whether or not she recognized me from the time I caught her eye while driving to work. Of course, I never asked. Finally, she hit me in on why she was in such a big hurry. It was not even close to what I expected, but far more exciting. Look, I'm not a fucking thief. That's probably what you were thinking, but if so, that's wrong. I repo these cars. It's what I do. So no judgment or bullshit, okay? None, I said flatly. As she talked, I stared and accented my listening by an occasional nod and a murmur of agreement. I began to drift into thoughts about the universe, the mysterious clockwork that it truly was. How and why things occurred when they did was simply astonishing. Karma, as the Hindu call it, or as the layman says, it's what comes around goes around, it's all true. This girl is not an evildoer in her situation, only a tool of the infinitely more powerful universe, and at that time, a very fair and just one indeed. As she continued, I realized I was existing in yet another one of those strange, mystical moments where time, gravity, and chance were working together to make things happen for me, and there was no way in hell I was going to blow it. Decisions, decisions. Maybe that yuppie fuck had been right. We did have many more decisions to make than at the turn of the century. On the other hand, I would much rather pick up an omelet than shoot a fucking deer for my lunch, but none of that really matters now, does it? I began wondering, what in the hell had happened? It was just one of those rare moments in life where you stop, look around, and see just how fucked up things have become. People always complain about the drudgery that has become life in the modern age. The frantic energy spent each and every day in order to make a few dollars to survive is somehow comforting to most. It is those far too infrequent glimpses of life without blinders that let us see real drudgery. When we quit our jobs, leave our dead-end relationships, tell our neighbor to keep his fucking dog in his own yard, we step outside and become for a few fleeting seconds the persons we want to be, we long to be. It is a frightening breath of freedom drawn into lungs that are used to being barely exercised. They are squeezed and pinched in by the rib cage of a hunchback which simply cannot or will not straighten out. It is no wonder why the gulag is more comfortable to us than the open frontier. I was unsure of who I had become. What kind of primeval feelings had this girl disturbed that caused such erratic thoughts? We sure as hell were going to find out. You know, I don't mind giving you a lift. I know right where the place is. She took one last bite of hash browns and put her fork down quietly, looking me up and down, then directly into my eyes. She didn't smile. It was as if she were waiting for some sign from the head Finally, she let out a deep breath. You know, I'm kind of in a tough spot. How about I give you 20 bucks or something? It's nice of you to offer, but I can't let you do it for nothing. So we're good. I don't need any money. I'm happy to do it. Traffic will be dead this time of day. She cocked her head as if in suspicion. I'll keep both hands on the wheel and won't try anything stupid. You just have to take my word on that. Really, look, I have a sister myself, and if she were stranded or something, I would hope someone would help her out. Well, thank you, she agreed. She excused herself to the restroom as I paid the bill. We walked outside together. I unlocked her door first and opened it, then moved to my side of the cruiser. Shit, this was turning out to be an awesome day.